This month's spotlight is Nikki Adam Winningham. Nikki is Environmental Corporate Counsel at Pfizer. Simone and I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion with her, and I hope you enjoy too. Good morning, Nikki. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. So today we will be asking Nikki nine questions that are focused on navigating the environmental legal field as a diverse woman. So Nikki, our first question is, what led you to pursue a career in the environmental field? So there were two distinct events in my memory. One is Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and uh, <laughs> my sophomore year debate topic. So it, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but um, my parents took me to see it. I think I wasn't even 10 years old. And it was about saving the planet Earth by bringing whales from then modern Earth to future Earth. <laughs> and and I had no idea the whales were in trouble, much less anything else, right? So this is what sort of opened my mind to the concept that the environment needs protection and, and we can help it. Um, and then the debate topic, my sophomore year of high school, was something about worldwide pollution, right? I mean, the way the debate works, you either have to defend it or, or propose something for it, something like that. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a career option, right? There's There are law and policy elements to this. Because right. um, I'd always wanted to be a lawyer from, like, forever. So this was, like, that's what sort of cemented, like, okay, environmental law is a thing I can do. Yeah. That's amazing. And so did you pursue environmental studies in undergrad? And how was your um, coursework aligned yeah. with your interest? I was super narrow. I, uh, I did environmental engineering undergrad, oh, wow. and I got a master's degree too. And then took a year off to do a fellowship at the EPA with the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute, and then environmental law at Tulane a great law program for environmental law they have such a strong um, interest in all the mississippi river issues down there as well um, yeah, yeah yeah and they're easily ex uh, extrapolated to other jurisdictions right so, yeah I mean, it's yeah it was incredible i loved it i would go back in a heartbeat <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so nikki what values or principles do you most closely associate with a successful environmental attorney I think it depends on how you define success, but I guess in my worldview, integrity and courage are pretty critical. You know, if the goal is to protect the environment and provide excellent service to your clients, then on good days, and that's most days, right? Uh, there's, there's no balance needed. It's easy to do the right thing because that's what everybody wants to do. And then on the days when balance is gonna be required, it, it might test your integrity and your courage, but there's usually a way forward. Yeah, I think that's a very good point that, that you brought up. Um, it it does depend on how you define success. And I, I agree with your with the, the values and principles that you've outlined. Integrity um, is, is key. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's also what I have found so... Um, and I don't want to say rewarding and not comforting. I'm trying to, I'm struggling with the right word. But the idea that I'm not the only one with this set of values, right? That many, many of my clients when I was uh, outside counsel and, and in-house, um, it's like a, a, it's a foundation for a lot of people. And so that's very, it's a nice place to be. Definitely. 
how have you dealt with anyone underestimating you or judging you based on your race or gender during your career? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to start by saying, uh, one, I still think of myself as a second year associate. So, like, when you when you remind me that I've had a, a long <laughs> career, I'm sort of, like, tripping. Um, <laughs> but I will also say I... I think I've been very lucky in that for the most part, doors are open when I knock and I haven't, I I think it's been rare that people have tried to hinder or impede me based on my race, ethnicity, or gender. But, you know, when I look back, I I see that there were, there were some times when I was underestimated and and I don't know why, but I can speculate. And the, the lesson I learned is to speak up. I have a brain, I have a voice. I know how to use them. I need to use them. And I need to do it often enough and loudly enough to be heard. Right. No, that's great. That's great insight. So, Nikki, no one goes it alone. I know you still think of yourself as a a second-year associate, um, and and you've accomplished a lot since the time that you were a second-year associate. You mentioned that you know, doors generally open when you knock. So who are, who are some of your mentors and, and sponsors and how did you choose um, those folks or how did you find them? Yeah, so I take a really broad view of mentorship. And, and so I, there's something to be learned from everybody. So it's my managers, it's my peers, it's the people I meet in my extracurriculars like bar associations. Um, I consider almost all those folks that I work with sort of regularly and learn from regularly to be my mentors. And then along the way, I admit this is not something I'm very good at. I don't, I never went to office hours. I don't seek out sponsors like I should. And so when the sponsors I have in my life have sort of found me, and and I think that's mostly just been based on our working together. And then, you know, they take an interest and they want to help pull people up behind them so that there's people to keep doing what we're doing. Right. So, um, and I think, yeah, that goes back to my, my lucky, I think, um, because I admit I, I, that's one of my failings. I have not taken the initiative in that area. Yeah. And I, I do, I do think, um, I, I do try to encourage, I'm a junior associate here at Sidley and I do try to seek out mentors and sponsors. It can be kind of awkward sometimes, so I always mm-hmm. ask, you know, uh, more senior, diverse women, like, how did they go about doing that? Because it can seem awkward from my, my purview to say, hey, I like your work. I think you're a great attorney. Do you have enough time in your schedule to mentor me <laughs> on <top of> everything <laughs> else you have to do? Yeah. I think it's a hard Which- balance. It's a very hard balance. And, you know, you, you say that now, and I know that if somebody came and asked me that, I would be like, oh, my gosh, I love you. Yes, <laughs> yes, please. Um, but you don't think about that when you are on the other side. When you're the asker, you're like, oh, my God, I'm making such a, like, big request. So right. You're, you're right. You're right. And it's something we need to encourage more of us to do early on and then more of us to encourage to keep an eye out for as we progress in our careers. Definitely. Um, So how do you and your close peers or your close colleagues work to support and champion one another? Like what my colleagues at work get an award or get published in a great publication or journal? I'm super excited because I know how much work goes into that. 
Um, so how do you and your team and your tribe per se deal with that? Like how do you support each other? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny you said that. So like on the award sense, I feel like LinkedIn has been a really good place for that, right? Because either one, you can post it like, look what I did. I'm so proud of this. And then immediately your friends get to come in and use the like celebrate emoji or, you know, just the like even, right? right. And that's sort of, that's really cool. It's something we didn't have when I started. Um, but then sort of on a, and, and I can see that even in internal social media, like my company now has sort of internal social media we can use and you can do the same thing. Somebody can say like, oh, so-and-so was nominated for this amazing award. And then people can sort of jump in and say, yay. Um, and, and we're working on that, right? Like, I think we're, we're trying to break that stigma of don't post, don't, don't get out there. Don't be social. Like, no, go ahead. Right. Do it. Here's nice, safe ways to do it so that you don't embarrass anybody. Um, and then sort of in real life, I think it's about more generally making space at the table and inviting each other into the room. Right. So a friend broke it down for me a few years ago with the pie analogy, which I think everybody knows. Like, I don't think she innovated it, but she's the one who like taught it to me. Um, you know, the idea that the key to our success isn't to take the biggest piece of the pie we can, but to make the pie bigger. Right. And so, I mean, I think that's huge for making, to, for creating support and, and championing, championing one another. Um, right. And then I'm, I'm still working on amplification, right? The idea that like you hear some good idea in an, in a space and you, you say, yeah, so-and-so that is a great idea before somebody else takes it. Right. 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 That's a great point, Nikki. And another thing that, um, me and my girlfriend, she's a lawyer and big, a diverse lawyer in big tech. Um, we're talking about struggling with self-promotion. Like, you know, she finds it very easy to share an article or share an accomplishment of one of her colleagues, but she, she struggles with promoting herself and, you know, not trying to feel arrogant and, um, but still trying to promote herself in a healthy way. So that's one thing that I've heard with several diverse lawyers, um, is, you know, how do we self-promote, um, in an effective way? You know, on the one hand, we're sitting there at our desk, working hard, getting what we need to get done, done. And then you forget that not everybody knows what you're doing. So if you don't tell right. anybody about it, nobody will learn and nobody will help you celebrate. So, right. it, and, and that's a difficult thing to do, to self-promote. Um, it's much easier to post about somebody else, assuming right. you know what they did. <laughs> right, exactly. So definitely another tough balance <laughs> yes Something we have to learn i guess or at least mm -hmm. my, my my group of uh friends so nikki um if you could do one thing over in your career recognizing you've had a very successful career what would it be and why yeah so i i struggled with this one because i like where i am i'm i'm really happy to be here and i feel like if i didn't do the things i did the mistakes as well as the good things, then I, I might not be here. So uh, maybe not do it over again, but there's definitely a lesson. And I, it took me a couple of times of making this mistake to learn it, which, but it was that and you have to appreciate how long our careers are going to be, which I didn't. Uh, when I was graduating from law school, I just couldn't see what a 30 career, 30 year career would look like or what it would mean. Um, and I think maybe if I had, I would have 
appreciated earlier the value of finding mentors and champions and people you want to work with right. in multiple places, right? Like you can't be narrow. You can't depend on one other attorney to make your career for you. Like that's just not going to, it's not going to work. Um, mm. Yeah. So it's, I think if not so much do over, but certainly the thing I have to keep reminding myself is to, to always keep looking. You can't take anything for granted. Right. And it's, right. it's funny that you, um, it's funny that you say, you acknowledge that you've made some, some step, uh, some missteps along the way, but you still ended up in the position that, that you're really happy in and that you, you've always wanted. So it just goes to show that, you know, mistakes can be, uh, mistakes can be character builders, um, and, and just to ultimately help you get to where it is that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. We have to give ourselves, I mean, it's a, it's a lesson we're always learning or at least always reminding ourselves is that it's, it's okay to make mistakes. It's what you do with that mistake. That is the, the real difference maker, right? The hiding it or the learning from it. Um, and I always think about that chart. You guys have probably seen it too, right? Where it says like, we expect our careers to be this perfect 45 degree line um, on a, you know, an X and a Y axis, but instead it's really like zigzaggy. It might backtrack a little bit. It's definitely going to go up and down. Uh, you have to appreciate that those are, that's what your career is going to look like. And so how do you weather the downs and how do you make the ups happen? Right. And I think that's really important um, for junior attorneys as well. So thank you for that. Um, so our next question is, you know, how do you stay abreast of current news, trends and developments in the environmental field? Is LinkedIn your go-to? specific publication like what's your go-to source yeah so it's there's actually so many options right now that it can be a little bit overwhelming and it's something that actually um, my colleagues and I have been working on is how do we make sure we're seeing the news we need to be seeing so that we can inform our clients about the the things they need to know about so right, right now I'm relying pretty heavily on law firm alerts for for like the really the big things and also the changes right like I read every case uh, interpretation of, or every interpretation of the Maui case when it came out, right? Because I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So <laughs> great minds, teach me. Um, and of course, all the CLEs that eventually go with those. But uh, I'm also, we subscribe to a few different environmental law news type aggregators like Bloomberg BNA and um, ELI's weekly alert that right. aggregates all of the firm's alerts. Right. I love that thing. It's great. And also, <laughs> you know, the the may, maybe narrow ones like inside EPA. I use LinkedIn more for like keeping up with what, what folks are doing or, or now actually I found some incredible CLEs off of LinkedIn because I don't get the invite from the firm, but somebody's nice enough to put it on LinkedIn. I'm like, yes, please. Ah. <laughs> Careful what you wish for Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You guys have my email address now. Use it. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. Um, sorry, just a, a, I, I don't want to uh, forget the old school methods because I think they're still important. Federal registers are still mm -hmm. critical. And especially now because you can sign up for those updates that'll tell you when stuff gets posted so you don't have to check the docket every day. Those are still very helpful. Yeah, I was just so I started off in government and I worked on a lot of like 
rule makings and such when I was in government, but I used to love reading the Fed Register and people don't understand. That's <laughs> <laughs> a huge government yeah. nerd. But yeah, I see it's very important and there's lots of um, good information in the, the updated Fed Register. So yeah, thanks for that reminder. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. It's it's still, it's super helpful. I've, I've, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the agencies publish their regulatory agenda, so it doesn't take much more to go set up an alert right this topic and so you know like at any given time i'm watching four or five different potential regulations or at least proposed rules or notices of proposed rulemakings um yeah and so they make it so easy yep and the preamble gives you some insight into the agency's thought proposed rulemaking so I nerd out on those things. <laughs> Absolutely. It's that's where the gold is, right? Because the regulation will say, do this. <laughs> like, what is right. this? <laughs> <laughs> then you get some context for the rule, which is awesome. Um, yeah. That's great. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so Nikki, what do you see as the, the dominant trait in your personality? And how do you uh, think that that impacted your career? Yeah. Let's see. So I call it patience, but I don't know if that's actually the right word for it. It's, I, I think I have an ability to stay calm in a stressful situation. And let me caveat this. This is professionally because at home, this is not what happens. But but in my workspace, (laughs) I can stay calm and I can usually either calm people down or keep mm-hmm. them calm if it's if if they're in the same situation and so it, it it allows and then that allows me to sort of if I stay level-headed I can see what the options are that are available to us or at least figure out what questions might need to be asked to identify the options and then once you calm everybody down everybody can participate right again. right that's a great trait to have I that's awesome. Yeah, I sort <laughs> of know, wish that's, I'm... that's awesome. And that's important, <laughs> especially in these high stress um, issues. Well, that's you right. Know? Yeah, because yep. our, yep. our, yep. our lives are, our, our work is stressful. Um, I mean, right. if things are going well, they usually don't need us. So, right, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. My poor husband, though, I always feel bad for him that I can't seem to bring this trait home. But. <laughs> I was just going to say that's so important because we, you know, can have great hard skills like analysis, you know, writing skills, but the soft skills are also also important, right? You know, so important. Patient, being personable, you know, learning how to communicate with people effectively. So, that's really a great reminder of the, the importance of soft skills in the legal practice. Mm hmm. And I would just add on to that, Nikki, uh, to sort of help you feel better about the fact that you're not that way at home. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the people who are close to you, I, I think one of the the important things about being that way is because you want to convey to people that you have it under control. You know, I think you can't lead if, mm-hmm. the, if the folks you're leading are scared that you don't have the situation that you can't manage the situation. Right. And I think that's something you have to exhibit at work. Whereas the people who are close to you and those at home already know that you can manage it and that you have it under control, but it has to be something that you sort of exhibit to the folks who work with you um, who may not be as close to you personally. Yeah, I know you're right. You're right about that. And uh, yeah, there, there's a, a little bit of a barrier, which I think there has to be. And we talk about bringing our authentic selves to work. And I think there's space for that. But there's also got to be space for, like, I have my work 
brain and my work self and then I have my home where I can relax right right no definitely sure and this has been so great talking to you and I hate this is our last question but um what accomplishment are you most proud of yeah these this one was tough so thank you for sending it in advance So I think professionally, uh, and this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's true. It's it's my current role as an environmental attorney at Pfizer. It's not something I ever imagined for myself. We didn't have attorneys in my family until my generation. So my role models, my lawyer role models were TV lawyers. And you know, they work in private practice, they work in government, and and of course, that's exactly what government and private practice look like, right? Um, <laughs> but it just, I didn't know attorneys can work for companies until I w- started working at a firm and I met my clients who were attorneys working for companies. And I realized that it was an option and that I get to do environmental while I'm doing it. Because, right. I mean, if I'm honest, I my my goal in life was to be an environmental attorney. So I sort of checked that box when I graduated from law school and started working in my first firm. Um, but you, know, you have to keep going. So this, this is sort of the greatest accomplishment so far. That's awesome. It's really encouraging to hear how much you enjoy your work. You know, that's, that's so important. Um, and that's, you have um, to, right? I mean, yep. we, we do it for so much of our days. <laughs> And so much of our lives that if it's not, can you imagine spending the hours we're spending on our work if we didn't, if we didn't find some joy in it? Right, right. So Nikki, we're connected on LinkedIn um, in the EWOT group and, and just generally. And I see that you're pretty active in the Hispanic legal community. Which organizations or bar associations are you a part of? Yeah, so for me, the... All right, so I'm a joiner. I will okay. join anything and everything that looks even remotely interesting. But that doesn't, <laughs> like, you can't do that forever, right? I mean, it spreads you too thin. So where I am right now is I'm, I support the Hispanic National Bar Association, and I am a commissioner on the Latina Commission, awesome. which was a way I think yeah it was for me it was it was a space where I can both promote people of color but also women of color and the fact that there are certain things that women of color need that don't get addressed by the broader people of color promotional or movements right so that was yeah and then that's why I I chose that one because I I have been members of others and they're all great right they're all doing incredible work in their regions or their uh, areas and and but Nikki, thank you so much for your time. We've really enjoyed getting to know you. And thank you for all of these great nuggets um, on how to navigate the environmental space as a diverse woman successfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, yeah, it's what a tra- seriously, I was so humbled and honored when you asked because like I said, I, I'm still a second year associate in my head. So I'm like, what? They're going to get bored when they start hearing me talk. Um, this has been so fun. Thank you so much. Oh, you're Thank so you, Nikki. Welcome, Vicky. <laughs>